Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. Hong Kong is in the midst of the most significant protest movement since China assumed sovereignty in 1997. These protests were sparked by a proposed law that could permit people in Hong Kong to be extradited to mainland China to face trial. Protesters fear that this law could be used by authorities in Beijing to erode the rights and liberties currently enjoyed by people in Hong Kong. When sovereignty over Hong Kong was transferred from the United Kingdom to China in 1997, there was embedded in that agreement the principle of one country, two systems. In other words, while Hong Kong is formally part of China, the judicial and political system, the civil liberties and rights enjoyed by people of Hong Kong would be respected by authorities in Beijing. However, as my guest today, Man K. Tam, explains, that principle of one country, two systems has been eroding in recent years. China has been steadily encroaching on civil and political life in Hong Kong, and this protest movement is a profound demonstration that the people of Hong Kong are willing and ready to defend their rights. Manke Tam is the director of Amnesty International Hong Kong, which puts him very much at the forefront of this fight. We kick off discussing the proposed extradition law itself, which is set up for a potential vote in Hong Kong Legislative Assembly, before having a longer conversation about the causes, consequences, and implications of the shrinking space for civil society and rights and freedom in Hong Kong. This conversation is obviously very timely. Uh, it will also give you the context you need to understand what is driving these protests as the situation unfolds in the coming weeks and months. A big thank you before we start to all of you who have become premium subscribers in recent weeks as we're making a renewed push to encourage you listeners to support the show what I'm doing is releasing a treasure trove of content from my archives in which I interview foreign policy thought leaders and newsmakers who have led really extraordinary careers in foreign policy and world affairs and who share stories and anecdotes from their life and career. What you get is part interesting storytelling, part career advice, part oral history of some really key moments in world affairs, all told by people who had direct hands in influencing and shaping those events. I've posted several of these long-form interviews already. I'll be posting one or two new episodes each week for premium subscribers to access those episodes and other rewards like complimentary subscription to my Don's Digest Global News Clips service delivered to your inbox every single weekday morning please go to patreon.com slash global dispatches or click on the link in the description field of this podcast episode wherever you are listening to it. In just a couple taps of your phone, you could unlock these episodes and other great rewards. If you have any questions, just send me an email using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. 
All right. Now, here is my conversation with Man K. Tam, director of Amnesty International Hong Kong. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, that, that is a long story, but to cut the story so short, um, we have uh, extradition law and also extradition treaties between Hong Kong and different countries. And so far, we do not have any extradition arrangement, whether it is a treaty or in the form of case-by-case basis. We do not have um, such arrangement with uh, mainland China, with the Chinese government. And then um, this year in February, all in a sudden, the government suggests that uh, I proposed an amendment of the extradition bill to facilitate uh, extradition a- arrangement with um, countries that have no previous arrangement with Hong Kong. That include uh, mainland China. Mm. And the reason that the government gave um, to the legislative councillor and the general public was um, that what was owing to um, a recent murder. Murder uh, happened in Taiwan. And they said that in order to facilitate the uh, extradition of the suspect from Hong Kong to Taiwan for uh, prosecution, they have to amend uh, the uh, extradition, ex- existing extradition law. That, that is the background. Well, at the heart of the issue is the uncertainty uh, between um, two judiciary system. Mm-hmm. On one side, it is the Chinese judiciary system, which is uh, not independent from Chinese government and uh, uh, the Communist Party. And it has also a poor human rights uh, yeah. track record. To, to say the false, least. Yeah, yeah. False, con- false, false confession, mm-hmm. uh, arbitrary detention, torture, uh, and um, etc. And on the other side, it is a Hong Kong judiciary system, which is independent. And we have also um, local and international human rights law uh, to protect uh, the basic human rights uh, of Hong Kong citizens. And, and the concern so, is is that the, and the judiciary and the that, here would be corrupted by the influence of Beijing? Yeah, because you will, through this extradition amendment, the barrier between the two judiciary systems will be removed. Hmm. So to Hong Kong citizen, it is a it is a big uncertainty, and to um, us uh, for human rights NGOs, uh, the human rights uh, NGOs workers in Hong Kong uh, have will be put into risk, uh, especially for those who uh, has work related to uh, mainland human rights defender activists yeah. 
and etc. And, and I, I wanted to ask you about that, but before we get there, I'm sort of curious to to learn, and you alluded to it just now, why specifically this potential new law has sparked such a backlash when there has been sort of an growing encroachment on some of the rights and freedoms historically enjoyed in Hong Kong over the last mm. several years. Why Why was this the spark that ignited this massive protest? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. I think this is the latest incidence for the eroding uh, human rights protection uh, in, in Hong Kong. This is, um, I think, um, that's that uh, kind of the last straw on the camel's back that sparks a lot of uncertainties and fears in Hong Kong, pe- among Hong Kong people and drive and drove them and drives them out um, um, to the streets. So um, it all started from uh, from the umbrella movement, uh, and after the umbrella movement in can, can I just stop you there? Can you it, mm. describe what the umbrella movement was for those who who are unaware? The twenty fourteen umbrella movement. Okay, so um, under one country two system, uh, Hong Kong um, is a Chinese chi- Chinese city, but it is a unique Chinese city that enjoy freedom of expression, free speech, and um, other basic human rights. And one of the promises. Uh, within this one country, two system framework is universal suffrage. Um, and in 2014, people uh, wants, uh, demand the Hong Kong government to deliver uh, the universal suffrage, uh, the promise of universal suffrage. And at that time, um, the, the, uh, under the influence of the Chinese government, that promise uh, couldn't be delivered. So people, um, uh, start to occupy uh, central movement and um, and in September 28 2014 people uh, a lot of people gather in the central part central part of Hong Kong and then start the occupation move, occupying movement that lasted for 90 something days so from from end of September to mid um, December so and after that, uh, there are a lot of crackdown um, on civil society and also political activists um, and leaders, which includes um, the umbrella movement leaders. And um, and the nine of them, we call them um, the umbrella nine, uh, were just uh, prosecuted and sentenced in April. And many of them were, were, uh, were now in jail. So this is just one incident that... Um, that that uh, that highlights or that signal the erosion of um, the erosion of freedom of expression and um, uh, rights of peace of assembly in Hong Kong. And um, if you look a little bit back to 2018, we also have other incidences uh, uh, we, we related to the erosion of freedom here. For example, um, there there is a foreign journalist. Um, uh, in the in the in the foreign correspondence club, his uh, visa was denied um, to be renewed uh, simply because he organized a seminar to um, talk about to touch upon um, the uh, themes related to uh, independence of Hong Kong or self autonomy. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, um, there were um, ordinary citizens eligible for elections, but uh, were disqualified, uh, were, were barred from 
um, the, from the election because uh, of his, of uh, his or her uh, uh, or her uh, advocacy on self determination and or independence. So, so this kind of incidents actually add up to um, to to the extent that uh, people start feeling um, the freedom of the city and uh, is is being eroded. And so uh, it. Yeah, well, go well, ahead. I, I'm curious to learn why do you think that this um, you know one government two systems policy, which was enacted in 1997 upon the handover of sovereignty from the United Kingdom to China. Like, why is that eroding in recent years? I mean, it seemed to be holding firm for, for at least the, you know, the first decade following that the handover. Why now are we seeing a seemingly accelerating deterioration of that policy and an erosion of those rights? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think this is partly related to the changing Chinese regime, which becomes more authoritarian and um, also the, the power becomes more centralized. And Hong Kong being um, part of China in the one country, two system um, becomes, um, in, 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 it becomes um, influenced uh, in, the, in this kind of um, new political uh, regime. And um, the, it, uh, the central government, the Beijing government, want to tighten up the control uh, of uh, the Hong Kong society, both in terms of the politics and also civil society. Um, and I think it, it, this is the bigger picture um, uh, of, of the changes in the past few years. And of course, the umbrella, umbrella movement also um, kind of uh, uh, alerted the, uh, both the Hong Kong and Chinese authorities that the demand uh, of democracy and um, universal suffrage within uh, local civil society is still high. And, and that might not be um, that they perceive, that, they might, that might not be um, um, positive or palatable uh, towards their uh, control um, uh, of, the, of the Hong Kong society. So that might be the background. Hmm. Uh, may I ask, how have you experienced personally or your organization, Amnesty uh, International in Hong Kong, experienced this seemingly um, closing of, of space for civil society in Hong Kong? Or have you experienced this yet in, in, in sort of a meaningful way? Are there anecdotes or stories you might be able to share about it? From a Hong Kong perspective, and also from Amnesty, from the researchers, from the research that Amnesty has been doing in mainland China, we definitely feel the tightening up of um, NGO space in mainland China. For example, they have the new NGO law uh, enacted uh, a couple of years ago uh, to tighten up um, the space uh, of international NGO operating in, in, in mainland China. And, and under that NGO law, uh, there are, there are the, uh, there is the incidence of, a uh, uh, Taiwan, uh, activists being arrested and jailed. So we kind of, we, from a Hong Kong embassy perspective, we have the feeling that at certain point, um, this kind of mainland NGO, 
uh, uh, regime uh, well, the, uh, the, the, to, to control the mainland NGOs, uh, uh, to control the international NGOs in mainland might um, finally uh, be um, transplanted or in a certain form appeared in Hong Kong. So that's why also yeah. for NGOs here, the extradition law becomes kind of a big issue because this is the first sign that um, Hong Kong NGO workers might be influenced mm -hmm. um, from uh, China. I guess from, from sort of where I'm sitting, and, and you should feel free to push back against this assertion, um, mm -hmm. this, this idea that sort of China will increasingly dominate uh, Hong Kong, or I should say Beijing will, will increasingly dominate life and, and freedoms in Hong Kong seems almost inevitable, right? That, that restrictions that are now in place against NGOs in China will be, as you said, transplanted into Hong Kong. Um, and that's sort of like almost a sort of a depressing uh, scenario uh, that mm -hmm. the rights that have been enjoyed for generations in Hong Kong um, mm -hmm. will will no longer be there. That you will no longer be able to do what you do. That amnesty will be forced out of mm -hmm. of Hong Kong. Do you see this as as inevitable, or or how do you see this playing out? Well, I think a couple of answers to this question. First of all, I um, from our from Amnesty's re uh, perspective, from our researchers, um, the tightening up of international NGO space uh, not on, not not only include well uh, 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 including Amnesty and other NGOs. Um, it's it's not it's tightening up all over the world, not just mainland China. It is kind of a global phenomenon. Um, and on and on the other hand, uh, I think you are right that the uh, tightening grip of um, the Chinese government in Hong Kong has triggered um, two types of re response. Um, let's 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 call it the first is uh, it, to uh, it's it's about like whether Hong Kong should um, stay away from China. Um, that kind of sentiments will 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 be uh, more easily under, understood as a kind of independence in the form of independence advocacy or in the form of self determination, and 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 a lot of uh, young Hong Kong youngsters in Hong Kong uh, are, are believe that their future uh, will, will will be relying on whether Hong Kong could get independence or not. But on the other hand, there are um, another um, perspective, like um, Hong Kong will be better only if China get better. Hmm. So this will be best reflected in the um, in the in the candlelight in the in the memorial of the June 4th event, uh, June 4th crackdown. Um, That's the, the Tiananmen digit. Square uh, reference that you're making. Yeah, so you see a lot of people going, attending um, the memorial, the candlelight vigil, and many of them believe that um, they have to, um, they have to, they have to do something to uh, make China better, and this will at some point um, be uh, rewarded, uh, be rewarding um, to 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 Hong Kong. 
uh, to a certain extent. I think these kind, these two beliefs actually are, 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 um, are happening or um, are, are kind of um, owned own by two big groups of people in Hong Kong. So, you know, th- that, that sentiment also seems to be what's driving the protest too, right? This idea that we're not going to um, take these encroachments lying down. We are going to, um, you know, put ourselves, our safety on the line to try to defend the rights that we have for, for as long as, as we can, right? Yeah, exactly. I think um, this is also a reason why such a big turnout last Sunday. We have a million people uh, turn, turn out um, and um, take and, and talk to the streets uh, because um, a lot of people, um, it's kind of both, both, both um, from all from all walks of life and from um, different generations. They want to protect um, their basic freedom, their basic human rights. A little bit unlike if we compare to 2014, um, the, there are two big camps. Um, one camp actually uh, believe that they want more. Uh, they 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 think they Hong Kong would be better if they had if if um, if 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 we can um, elect our own chief executive through universal suffrage. But there is another big camp. They just think that well the status quo is okay. But this time it's kind of like um, there is a united front not only from the youngsters uh, but also from um, a lot of the businessmen. Um, and uh, religious leaders, professionals, they, they all say that um, they do not want um, the, 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 the amendments uh, and, um, and, and they do, do, do not, do not be, uh, they, they want to clear up the uncertainties mm-hmm. um, of, uh, of the possibility of uh, being extradited to mainland China. Finally, uh, you know, the situation is rapidly unfolding on the ground in, in Hong Kong. Um, but what inflection points will you be looking towards in the coming, say, days, weeks, and months that will suggest to you um, how the situation might unfold? Uh, I think Wednesday, last, uh, yesterday, Wednesday's, uh, Wednesday's uh, um, clashes between um, the police and uh, the protest, uh, peaceful protesters are very, uh, is, was a tragedy. And um, the excessive and unnecessary uh, use of force by the police is definite, was definitely um, uh, wrong that, uh, and, viol- and violated a lot of international human rights law. Um, and because of, and the result of this um, now um, is that uh, the second reading of the amendments proposal uh, was uh, postponed. So um, for in, in this week, we will um, the the second reading was suspended. So um, for next week, whether the government uh, will change their mind, where Carrie Lam, the chief executive, uh, will change their mind, is still a uh, and unknown so far, despite on, t- on, the, on the TV broadcast yesterday, she insisted to push uh, the amendments forward and wants uh, to ha- get, it, get it done uh, by um, next week. Mm. 
Um, but but after yesterday, um, there are a lot of uh, voices, not only from the from local, but also from um, other um, governments um, and foreign ministers from different countries also um, raised their concern on yesterday's uh, brutal uh, scenes, ugly, ugly scenes that um, are, that were broadcasted through. Um, uh, broadcasted throughout the through the through, throughout the whole world, mm. so I think this is still a very uh, we we do not well let's see we we do not I I I, I do not see um I cannot predict what will be happen, happening in the coming few days. Uh, well, MK, thank you so much for your time. Uh, good luck these these next few days. Thanks, I know we're speaking right before uh, some more big protests, so so stay safe. Good luck and and power to you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Manke Tam. And as I said, stay safe out there. I know I have listeners in Hong Kong. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. If you're out there protesting, you are protecting our rights as, as humans. These are human rights. You're protecting a violation of any one of those human rights is, uh, is an affront on all of us. So thank you. Stay safe. Power to you. And we will see you next time. Bye.